0: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Vindication is not a word that we use very casually in our conversations today. It is a a word that packs with it a lot of emotional power, a lot of emotional response, and so we save it for special situations. When we talk about vindication, we know that we are talking about a reversal of fortunes for the better. When we talk about vindication, it's almost always a story that seems like defeat, but turns out to be victory. We might talk about vindication when someone who is innocent fights off fraudulent charges that were brought against them. We might talk about vindication for a certain sports figure or a sports team that seems to come from nowhere or come from behind, come from the very bottom of the pack and end up on top. Even our local political figures and health officials are looking for their moment of vindication in this fight against COVID-19. But Beyond the courtroom, beyond the sports stadiums, and beyond the field of public opinion, vindication, I think, is a very relevant and key theme for the season of Easter. Because in Easter, we have a transformation of what seems like defeat into victory. It all goes back to Good Friday. It goes back to that time of darkness, that time when Jesus hangs there upon the cross. And in that moment, it seems like everything is lost, that it was all a failure, that it was all for nothing. And when Jesus died and was placed in the tomb, it seemed like the story was over. The story had been written. It was a story of failure. It was a story of failure for Jesus because it didn't seem like Jesus lived up to the expectations that he set for himself. He didn't live up to the expectations that others set for him. But it wasn't just a story about the failure of Jesus, it also was a very real story of failure for all of Jesus' disciples. They failed their master. They failed their Lord by denying him, by running away from him, by not protecting him. They abandoned him completely, and they were failures as disciples of their great Lord. But there was more failure for these disciples. They also wondered if their faith had been a failure. They had placed their faith, their hope, their confidence in Jesus, but that didn't seem to work out. Jesus, whom they thought was their Lord and their Savior, the one who was going to bring the kingdom of God, where was that all now? Nothing had come, nothing had changed, except the disciples had a faith and nothing to show for it. Yes, Good Friday and that Holy Saturday, it all seemed like it was a bust, a failure, defeat. But by Easter, by Sunday, things were beginning to change. And yet the disciples, they're still stuck in this moment of defeat. When the empty tomb is found, when Mary Magdalene tells the disciples that Jesus is alive, they are dumbfounded. They don't get it. They don't understand it. How could there be victory? How could there be anything good that comes from Jesus's death on the cross? And so on that first Easter evening, the disciples are gathered together. They are huddled together, it seems, not in hope and confidence, not in overwhelming joy, but in that sense of defeat and failure. Even the doors of the room that they are in are locked. Why? Because of fear. Because they fear the Jews. Because they fear that what happened to Jesus might also happen to them. And it's precisely at this moment, it's precisely to these people that Jesus, the risen Jesus, the Jesus who rose again from the dead, appears to his disciples, to these broken men, and he proclaims to them his vindication. Jesus standing there with those scarred hands and side, that is the vindication of everything On that Easter evening, Jesus' resurrection was a vindication not only of Jesus himself, but also of the disciples, and as we'll see, for you and for me too. Now, first and perhaps most obviously, Jesus' resurrection was a vindication of everything that he had done Jesus' resurrection was that proof, that undeniable proof that the cross was not a failure, that the cross was not a mistake. Instead, it was all part of God's plan, God's most wonderful plan, because the cross is that way that your sins and my sins were taken away from you and from me and put on Jesus, that one Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus' resurrection proves that that sacrifice was good, that that sacrifice was acceptable, was pleasing to God, and was the fulfillment of all of God's promises to you and to me. When Jesus stands there with those scarred hands and the the wound in his side, those are not signs of defeat. For Jesus, those are signs of his victory, that he did it, that he went the full distance, that he did what God required of him for your salvation and for mine. And so he gladly shows those hands and that side to his disciples. Jesus's resurrection, his presence there was that proof, that undeniable vindication that he had done it. He had completed it. He accomplished it for you and for me. And that was the vindication that the disciples needed as well. See, the disciples, they placed their faith in Jesus. And at first they thought, That was all for naught. That Jesus was just like every other failed Messiah. But he wasn't. Jesus is not like every other sage or teacher. He is not like every other prophet or every other self-proclaimed Messiah. Because all of those others, they died. Their claims were buried with them into their own tombs but not Jesus. Jesus rose again from the dead on the third day, just like he said, and he proved that he was who he said he was. And for his disciples, that meant something special for them. It meant that their faith was not a lie. It meant that their faith in Jesus was placed in the one true Messiah, in the one true Savior. It meant that everything that they believed about Jesus was absolutely true. And they could count on him. They could count on him forever. As they remember his stories, as they remember his miracles, they now know the true significance of them that Jesus was no mere prophet. He was the Son of God, the very Son of God who came to this world. And he came to bring life. He came to to bring truth. He came to bring God's kingdom. And he did just that. And if that's true then the disciples' faith isn't the only faith that has been vindicated. You see, our faith in Jesus also receives its vindication from Jesus' resurrection. And then that puts everything that Jesus does on this Easter evening in a whole new light. Because what Jesus does doesn't just mean something for those disciples 2,000 years ago. It means something for you and for me today. So what did Jesus do? What did he do when he was there with his disciples? He spoke these words, peace be with you. Why those words? What what did that mean? Well, if for a moment you can put yourself in the situation of those disciples, you have to realize in that moment, well, even before Jesus came, they were terrified. They were in fear. They felt that utter helplessness. And then when Jesus comes, what are they to think? Uh Uh-oh he's after me. Uh-oh, he's come to tell me about all of my failures. He's come to, to, to reprimand me for abandoning him, for not standing by him, for not following him all the way to the cross. But that was not why Jesus came, and his words speak that truth. When Jesus says, peace be with you, He wants them to know that what he did on the cross is for them, too. That that forgiveness that he won is for them as well. See, they might be thinking about their failures, but Jesus doesn't want them to dwell on that. Instead, he wants them to know that forgiveness is for them, too. And if it's for them, it's also for me, and it's also for you. I mean, think about it. Could Jesus have found a worse group of men to form the beginning of his church? These were the ones who, had, who said that they would follow Jesus to the very end. They swore their lives on it, and yet not one of them lived up to their own promises. And yet Jesus comes to them and he forgives them. I I mean, even think about Thomas, right? Good old doubting Thomas, who unlike all of the other disciples who were there on that first Easter evening, for some reason, Thomas was not there. And so when the disciples now rejoicing, tell Thomas that Jesus is alive. Thomas says, no way, guys. That is not true, and I will never believe that unless I myself am able to put my hands into those wounds, unless I can put my hand into his side. A week later, the same disciples, and this time Thomas too, are there once again in a room with the doors locked, and Jesus appears to them. And in that instance, dear doubting Thomas is transformed into confessing Thomas. He is transformed into faithful Thomas as he cries out, My Lord and my God. <laughs> Jesus's resurrection Jesus's appearance to his disciples vindicated their faith and so it vindicates your faith as well because Jesus sends out these disciples. He commissions them now as his apostles to bring that same forgiveness that they have received, to bring that forgiveness to the whole world. Because what Jesus did at the cross was not just for them. It was for everybody. And so for you and for me in this Easter season, we may not be able to see Jesus's scarred hands ourselves, but we have heard that testimony of those first eyewitnesses. And as Jesus proclaimed to them that they were to bring that forgiveness, that peace to the whole world. So he commands me to give you that same forgiveness. You have that same peace because of what Jesus has done. That's the vindication that you and I have in our faith. And we can live that faith. We can live that faith in bold confidence, just like those first disciples did, as we heard in that reading from Acts Or can we? I mean, when I thought about my own vindicated faith, I thought, do I really live out that kind of hope and confidence? Do I live my faith on my sleeve? Can the whole world hear that proclamation from me that Jesus is the Savior of the world and there is forgiveness in him alone? I'd like to think so, but in reality, probably not. Probably a lot of the time, the world wouldn't know much about Jesus from me. And so I wondered, do I have that vindicated faith? And it's in that moment that I realized that that maybe, maybe I'm missing the point. Because a vindicated faith is not about being that bold and confident person out there, that one that has no fear. Instead, a vindicated faith is a faith that recognizes that there is victory that comes even after defeat, that there is promise even after weakness and disappointment. And so as I thought about my own vindicated faith, I realized I have it. And you have it too. Our vindicated faith is that faith that says, I accept defeat. I accept failure. I accept my own mistakes. I accept suffering and I even accept death. Because my faith doesn't depend on that stuff. My faith depends on Jesus. My faith depends on Jesus, what he did on that cross, and what he proved in his resurrection. And because Jesus lives, I know that in the end, Despite all of my defeats, despite all of my failures and weaknesses, I have a vindicated faith. I have victory. An eternal victory that no one can steal. You see, a vindicated faith is not a faith that is busy looking at itself in the mirror. A vindicated faith is a faith that sees Jesus. It's a faith that looks at Jesus, because when you look at Jesus, what do you see? You see Jesus, the one who suffered and died for you, but also the one who rose again on the third day. He brings the vindication of our faith. He is the one who brings you and me victory. So when you're troubled, when you wonder, do do I really have that confident faith in Jesus's vindication? Don't look at yourself. Don't look at yourself for that answer, but instead look to Jesus and listen to his words once more. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Blessed are you, because you have believed, even though you have not seen. And as Peter said, you love him, even though you haven't seen him, even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you love him. Because through your faith in him, you receive that inexpressible and glorious joy. Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So listen again. Peace be with you. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen.